Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Before I introduce our guests, I want to remind everybody about the event that will be happening on the 16th of October at Steam Pump Ranch in Oro Valley. We will be doing a human trafficking awareness event. We'll be broadcasting live from there from 8 till 10. So come and join us. The event will last until noon, but come and join us. Come see us. There'll be a lot to do, kids' games, all kinds of stuff, food. <laughs> on the 29th, National Night Out in Oro Valley will be held at Walmart on Tangerine. We will be there to hand out special things for kids, and we'll have a raffle basket, Halloween basket for some lucky child. And on the 20th of November, we will be broadcasting from the Tucson Auto Museum. It's a private collection, affectionately known as Wayne's Toys. He's got like 80, 90 cars in there that are really unique. And I'll have more details on that as probably by next week. And it'll be posted on our website as well. Okay, on the phone, we have DEAA SAC Polo who has an announcement to make. And in the studio, we have Marana Police Chief Nunez, and I understand you two know each other. Paulo, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning, Sherry. Yes, we too. We, we know each other very well. <laughs> so what's going on with DEA? Uh, well, with DEA, we're actually kicking off a, uh, we kicked off a campaign, One Pill Can Kill, and uh, just, it's a, big public safety alert uh, by DEA to our citizens on the purchase and the consumption of the fentanyl lace pills on the black market. And uh, we want to uh, allow the, the, the citizens to know that uh, we're trying and we're working with the local federal partners along with the state and local police departments in order to cause awareness of this. But we're also uh, building actionable intel and then uh, we're going out there and uh, and uh, uh, doing operations. And we ended up doing an operation on a 60-day period, and we ended up resulting with a lot of good results for the last 60 days. Well, I know this is, this is a huge problem, and I know the chief has a, a story about one of his officers. What happened with your officer? This was a perfect segue, Pollo. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what happened was earlier this week, um, Officer Kyle Wagner, one of our officers uh, with the Miranda Police Department, responded to a shoplifting call. Typical, normal call, right? He gets there. Um, the subject has some outstanding warrants, so he's arrested in addition to the shoplifting charge for the warrants. Puts him in his car, starts driving to the jail. He's looking in his rearview mirror, and he sees that the... Uh, the, the guy is acting strange. Uh, he's breathing heavily. He's rocking back and forth. It concerns him so much that Officer Wagner pulls over, gets out of the car, opens up the back door, and all of a sudden the, the man is unresponsive. So he calls for meds immediately. Um, he does some a sternum rub to see if he can revive him. Nothing's working. He finally pulls, he pulls the gentleman out of the car, uncuffs him, and begins CPR. Um, as you're watching the body-worn camera footage, it seems like a long time goes by. And he's doing his compressions and whatnot, and a citizen pulls over and starts helping him. Um, that gives the officer time to go out and pick up his Narcan, which is a nasal spray uh, for suspected uh, overdose, opioid uh, overdose. And uh, he 
he used that. Finally, meds showed up. The meds took him to the hospital. Uh, and we later learned that this man had ingested uh, several M30 counterfeit pills, which we believe were, uh, were laced with fentanyl, and he almost died. Um, you know, were it, were it not for his quick actions, the officer's quick actions, this man would have died. That's that's just such a typical situation, and it's getting worse instead of better. Polo, what what kind of results are you finding with this new program that you have? Well, uh, Sherry, you know, like as as Chief Nunez mentioned, I mean, um, without his help, um, my, myself and him, uh, along with the other uh, local police departments, have been working hand in hand. And uh, as a result, as a result of the last sixty days. Uh, here in Arizona, we've seized over 400,000 fentanyl pills. Um, and I can tell you, and, and other illicit drugs, I can kind of list those things over to you. 280 pounds of meth, over 40 kilograms of cocaine, arrested over a dozen, 10 firearms. And then during the surge, actually, there was, uh, uh, we can include about 60. So a total of 60 big firearms that were taken down. But this is all because of working hand in hand with uh, with Chief Nunez, uh, Chief Riley from Ore Valley, all the other police departments, Tucson, Pima County, everybody. Uh, we do have a uh, we're part of the Connor Narcotics Alliance, which is uh, the high intensity drug trafficking area uh, program. And because here in uh, Arizona, we have uh, it is a designated uh, Haida area there. Uh, because of all the volume of drugs that we're, we're, we're seizing here, we're right at the border, we're at the tip of the spear. So we have had a lot of good success. And But, I mean, this is something that uh, we want to make sure that the public knows that uh, um, these drugs, buying them on the black market is not a good thing. And you're playing Russian roulette with your life. And yep. that's why we termed it as the one pill can't kill. Absolutely. And I don't know, does... The situation on the border, with the border open the way it is, does is that having an impact? Do you find it's it's more so now than it was when the border was closed? Well, you know, we have different things when when the border when it uh, last year when it uh, closed completely, the prices of 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 uh, certain illegal uh, drugs rose. For instance, uh, a pound of meth went from the lowest that it went here in Arizona from <clears throat> seven hundred pounds of $700 a pound, and it shot up to about $3,500 a pound. Oh my so gosh. what did that tell you? Yeah, and that was telling you that pretty much, uh, it, it, you know, you stop some of these things at, uh, at the ports and things like that, um, it will cause a big effect over here. But then the traffickers, they're, they're very intelligent folks. A lot of people think that they're, they're, they're not, but they do, and they find a way to go around that, and that's why... They were going through uh, um, clandestine areas outside of uh, other barriers and, uh, you know, along with tunnels over, uh, over above uh, in the air. So they find a way. And then what we started seeing also was that they were grabbing uh, U.S. citizens and a lot of these younger uh, high school students that were going on social media, on Snapchat, Facebook, and then they were recruiting them through there. So they will go across an easy money, $500, $1,000 to a kid. That doesn't, that sounds like a lot of money, yeah. you know, but, but then the person is bringing it across and they're because of the fact that they were only allowing us citizens to come across 
or somebody who had a business visa or something along the lines. Um, they were recruiting those individuals and they were bringing the illicit drugs over and they were getting caught. But uh, $500, $500 to 1000 I mean, being caught in the slammer, and a lot of times they would tell them, nothing's going to happen to you because you're a juvenile. But we do end up prosecuting. We work, from there, that's where we work with our state and local uh, uh, prosecution office where um, we are able to prosecute those individuals. Well, and they should be prosecuted. That's yes. crazy. That's insane. And how, how does this affect your job, uh, Chief, when, when you send your people out and you've got all these drugs going on? What type of activity do you see in, in Marana? One of the trends we're seeing, Sherry, is um, people entering large department stores um, and their loss prevention officers start following these people because they're acting suspicious. Um, they make their way to the restrooms and then they're there for a long period of time. Uh, we end up, we get called and we end up uh, finding these people in the restrooms smoking their, these counterfeit pills. Smoking them? Yeah, they crush them and then they smoke them. Ooh, that's gross. But <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know you could smoke a pill. I mean, I don't do that stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I'm foreign to what you're saying to me. But, you know, what's the point? Why don't they just ingest it? Well, they, they can ingest them as well, but I think they get a quick, uh, a quicker high. Is that correct, Bolo? Yes, sir, that's correct. Yeah. Oh. By smoking it, they get a quicker high. Oh. Well, jeez. <laughs> People will find a way, right, Polo? Yes, ma'am. That's correct. And uh, as the chief mentioned, you know, the, uh, smoking it, I mean, uh, and then there's the other form, of course, ingesting it. But the, the best way, unfortunately, to introduce an op opiate into your body, unfortunately, is through uh, intravenous. You know, it's through injection. But what's happening with these traffickers now, as the chief mentioned, is that they're they're getting away from that taboo is the people the addicts or the people with the new addicts or the recruitment of the new addicts they're they're taking them away now into the, the taboo of injecting and now what they're doing is they're smoking it or in, uh, uh, or inhaling it right inhaling it or, or or in the pill form so now you're taking away like oh well i don't have i don't, I don't want to have track marks you know and uh, fentanyl you know two to three milligrams it's just, I mean, real small specks of uh, grains of salt that will, it's the, the lethal dose. So with that being said is a lot of times, sometimes what they're doing too is they're combining it with other uh, opiates. Like they'll combine it with some heroin, low quality heroin that's maybe, you know, here at the border we're seeing black tar, Mexican brown at 40, 50%. So you put some fentanyl in there. Now you just shot it up to about 95% purity. So now a person who is an addict and who's never had uh, high-quality heroin, it's always been uh, uh, just above that 50%, more or less. Now you introduce it. Now you get the high-quality heroin, and then you get that person passing out and uh, overdosing and dying. So as the chief mentioned, and it's a, a lot of people say, well, it's a victimless crime, nothing happens. But as the chief said, you know, you go into the department stores, how is it affecting a Marana? I mean, they go into Marana, they go and shoplift, they go and boost, they go and uh, uh, burglarize your car. And that's where uh, they just trying to get us quick money so that we can they can support their habit. And it's happening all over the place. It's unfortunate. 
and people are dying not realizing and you know it just it breaks my heart because there are so many resources out there to help people get off the drugs stop doing what you're doing and clean up your life and they're not taking advantage of that and i've heard the excuse oh i don't have uh insurance well there are resources out there for people who don't have insurance so there's no excuse if you're hooked on drugs you know somebody who is We've got all the resources listed on our website. Just go to lawmatters1030.org, up the, where it says agencies, click the tab under DEA. You'll see all the resources listed there. You can get your life back. Because right now, if you're on drugs, you're throwing it away, period. And you could lose your life, as the chief said. It, it was a close call for that person. But at least he's alive to go to jail. <laughs> And, well, it's better than being six feet under, right? Absolutely. So, Polo, I appreciate you calling in and, and bringing us up to date. I, I'm so glad you started this program because it needs to be out there. People need to know just one pill can, you know, take your life away. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Sherry, for allowing me to go on your program and, and to the chief for, uh, I just saw saw the chief yesterday and, like I said, we always worked hand in hand together. I mean, that's the only way we can do this. As yeah. I mentioned in the previous shows that we have had before, um, I mean, and he's done a, an amazing job uh, there at in Marana, and uh, you know, we're trying the best we can, all of us, because uh, and not only does it, uh, uh, you know, this this one pill can kill campaign is an awareness and it's a safety alert, but you know, it's also for our officers, our first responders, who are going out there and doing these actions. And uh, they come across these individuals, they got to take all the precautions necessary also because they can also get exposed to this. And then next thing you know, one of our, our law enforcement or, or first responders goes down just by, you know, trying to, trying to handle one of these individuals. And uh, that's why they always take all the precautions necessary to, to, um, when, they're, when they're dealing with these people. Oh, absolutely. In fact, DEA had a special agent react to something evidence that they were processing and that that was scary that's scary yeah. you know you've got the good guys you know having a reaction like that it was very it was good for him that he had some help close close at hand <laughs> so yes ma'am so thank you paulo i i appreciate your i appreciate everything you guys do actually well, thank you, ma'am. I really appreciate that. I appreciate Chief Nunez and all, all the law enforcement partners we have here in, in Arizona. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate you as well. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay. We're going to... Let's talk a little bit about this officer that saved the life because we do above and beyond segment, and this was above and beyond the badge for sure. He... She... It's a he. It's Kyle. a he? Mm -hmm. Okay, he really was alert and, and figured out what was going on and, and did everything he could to save this person when he probably didn't have to. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm I'm driving somebody's in the backseat. I'm not paying attention. So, you know, he was there and he and that's especially did the right tr thing. Yeah, that's especially true because Marana is quite a distance from the Pima County Jail, right? Mm -hmm. But the officer had the the wherewithal, you know, to periodically check on him. Now, nothing leading up to him putting him in the car uh, indicated that this person had ingested any pills. He wasn't, he was acting normally, 
right? Uh, but in that drive to the jail, the officer noticed that he was just acting strange. And thank God he pulled over and, and checked him. Do you think that um, maybe he had the pills on him and didn't want him to be found, so he shoved them in his mouth? That's what George Floyd did. He shoved all these pills in his mouth. Yeah, we believe that's what happened. Yes, he didn't want the officer to find it on him, so he swallowed Tried them. to get mm-hmm. rid of the evidence. Correct. That's a bad way of getting rid of the evidence. So... What is, you know, let's let's lighten this up a little bit. This is kind of tragic. We don't want to talk about drugs. Well, we do, but <laughs> not always. So tell me, have what's the funniest arrest you've ever made? Okay. <laughs> wow. The funniest arrest I've ever made. I arrested an ostrich. Okay. <laughs> what uh, happened? Years ago, uh, I was a police sergeant working for the Tucson Police Department, and we had a call of an ostrich who was running um, eastbound on 22nd Street. So we immediately thought that it was it had escaped from the zoo there, right? Right. At the Reed Park Zoo. So we get there, and we're trying to corral this, this large bird. <laughs> And it's running all over the place, and traffic is stopped. It's, a, it's at a standstill, and they're laughing at us as we're trying to chase this thing. <laughs> and we're trying to get it to run back towards the zoo, but it runs south into the neighborhood and then promptly jumps over a fence, which was its home. Uh, there was a, a gentleman who owned a this, bunch of... He had an ostrich, he had pigs, he had uh, peacocks, all kinds of So he was just wildlife. out for a stroll. He just was out for a stroll. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I could I could see that happening. Do you have a canine unit? We do. We have uh, three canine officers. Um, very well. Um, how do I put this? Their partners are their partners. Yeah. You know, and we just have we just we just uh, bought two new dogs. Um, partners that are in training. We're looking forward to see how they're going to contribute to the. Uh, Is to Jeff the training them? Yes, he is. He's on our board. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I get to see all the new puppies. <laughs> I said, he, he goes and buys the puppies and send me a picture. I want to see the puppy. <laughs> have to have approval. So how do you, if an officer in your department wants to be a canine officer, what do they have to do? Is there anything special or they just ask? How does that work? Well, there's all kinds of things that they have to go through. Number one, um, they have to go through a physical uh, test. They have to be able to pick up their canine and carry it a certain distance, put it in the car, things like that. They have to have uh, their home. They have to have a home. They can't live in an apartment, right? And they have to have a yard sufficient for a um, uh, some sort of a fencing uh, cage. To keep them in, yeah. To keep them in. Um, and then, of course, there's oral boards they have to go through. They have to have at least two years on as a police officer. Um, to be able to do that. And then they go through real extensive training. For handling the dog? Correct. Is, I've heard that, you know, it's not just the dog that gets trained, it's the officer that gets trained to handle the dog. Absolutely. So it's a it's a two-way thing. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've watched some of the training. It's pretty amazing. It is. And these dogs love it. And they have such a bond between the handler and the, and the dog. Yeah. It's a big bond. It's huge. So... If you're qualifying for that, how many canine guys do you want on your department or is, is three the max and what are they trained for? 
Are they drug dogs? Are they bomb dogs? Are, what kind of dogs are they? Well, they're they're actually um, they are trained in, in um, various narcotics and, and drugs. Um, however, now that uh, Arizona has decided to legalize marijuana, um, that's become problematic for us. Um, and so we're for trying us too. to yeah we're <laughs> trying to decommission those dogs and get dogs that are only trained in the other drugs other than marijuana. Uh, we do have some explosives, uh, uh, canines, and most of them are just your regular patrol canine. So, patrol? You mean speeding? No, I mean <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, right, like, like they do. They do searches. Like, let's say we respond to a uh, burglary call. We find a, an open door in a building. Canine officers respond there, and they either unleash their canine or they walk through the warehouse checking things out. So, so if they find somebody in there, they, they mm-hmm. let you know there's somebody here? Yes. Oh, okay. I wasn't grasping that. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, we have them driving cars. Okay. No. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, radar. <laughs> That's a talented dog. <laughs> so tell us about you. How long have you been in law enforcement? Where'd you start? I actually started in 1984. So I have a little over 37 years. I started with the Tucson Police Department. Had a wonderful career there. Um, Was at the end of my career in 2011. I had entered something called the DROP, which is a uh, deferred retirement uh, plan. Uh, I was due to get out in 2015. Uh, But in 2011, an opportunity came up in the town of Marana that I couldn't pass up. Uh, It was closer to home. Uh, The chief... Uh, is a friend of mine who was uh, with the Tucson Police Department, Terry Rosema. Uh, I met with him, and um, I was just excited about the opportunities that the town uh, brought. So I applied, uh, competed with uh, two other uh, candidates who were vying for the same position, uh, but I got it, thank goodness, and that was 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've had a real extensive career. You've, you've seen it all. I've seen a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Has COVID impacted your job? And if so, how? You know, Sherry, COVID, I think, has impacted... Everybody. The entire planet, right? And how, <laughs> how we do business. You know, whether you're talking about wearing masks or, or social distancing or quarantine, uh, it's, it's affected us. How it's affected us at the police department, um, you know, when the CDC guidelines came out about wearing masks and having PPE, you know, personal protective equipment... We got all those things. So we were constantly disinfecting our hands, disinfecting our equipment, wearing the masks. Uh, Officers who used to ride together were no longer riding together. Uh, It became problematic for our field training officers who are actually training rookies. So we had to pay attention to all that. Um, It was, 2020 was a tough year for us. Uh, And this year with the new variant is also becoming problematic. What ends up happening, because officers are, are essential workers, uh, should they get exposed, they have to be quarantined. Uh, before they come back to work, they gotta you know, show a negative testing, uh, negative COVID testing. Um, and then you have their children as well. If their children uh, get infected or are exposed, then they have to stay home. So it's been, it's been tough for us on staffing. Yeah, it's, it's all the way around and people don't realize the ripple effect of you know exposing somebody to COVID and if you know you have it or you haven't been vaccinated and you're just you know refusing to wear a mask 
it's rough. Right. You're not affecting just you, it's everybody. And and just the anxiety that it caused as well. Um, you know, during uh, 2020, the later part of 2020, we were getting a lot of calls from people in different businesses, restaurants, uh, wanting us to come in and enforce uh, social distancing uh, rules uh, or suggestions and enforcing masks and, and things of that nature. So it was pretty tough. Yeah, I don't understand why, you know, okay, it's a pandemic. Call your doctor. Find out what you should do. Right. You know? right? <laughs> it's like, hello. <laughs> Son, we'll let that one lay. <laughs> There's too much politics going on with that. So do you have a SWAT team? We actually participate in the regional SWAT team with the Sheriff's Department. Okay. We've been doing that for several years. Uh, enjoy the partnership. Uh, great organization. Uh, well-trained SWAT officers. How often do they train? You know, I, they train quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> I uh, had the opportunity to see them in action. I had somebody knock on my door. You have to get out of here. And he had told me I had to leave my house because there was a SWAT situation going on across the street. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> we don't want stray bullets. So, yeah, it, it, how long do you have to be on the department before you can even apply to be a SWAT officer? For us, it's, it's at least two years, um, but they have to demonstrate um, that they have the, uh, the skills to do it. There's a physical training test. They have to be able, you know, to, uh, their marksmanship has to be pretty high, obviously, right? They do a lot of training, a lot of firearms training. Uh, it's a physical demanding job. So um, a lot of people don't qualify for that. Wow. Yeah, so if you're a SWAT person, hats off to you because you're above the rest. They've earned it. They've earned it. Mm -hmm. Wow. I want to ask you about, we want to take a break here, but when we come back, I want to ask you about the airfield out there. Okay. All right. Thanks for staying with us, our guest today. We had Polo on earlier from DEA, but he's he's gone, and our guest today is uh, Marana, police chief. Nunez, and we're talking about the different areas of Marana, and I wanted to know, does the airport out there, you have a little airport out there, you have a big airport out there too, don't you? Well, we have the, the Marana Regional Airport, that's our airport, and then of course we have Pinnell Air Park, which is just north of us, yes. Yeah, it just, you know, occurred to me. Does the airport have a police department and a fire department, or do you cover that area too? We actually cover that area as well. Because you had a couple of officers that actually helped a plane crash situation. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. And you recognized them for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, there's a lot of things going on at that airport. They, they probably need a police department. Well, it's, it's, certainly, uh, it's certainly growing. I know that the town has some plans for some renovations um, that obviously will bring in more traffic. But yes, uh, very proud of our municipal airport. That's used by, actually by a lot of celebrities. Um, yeah. We'll keep it a secret here, though, right? Yeah, well, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> okay. I've, I've actually had to go out and I sign legal paperwork per periodically. I'm a closing agent. Okay. And I had to go out to the airport to get some signatures from some celebrities who flew in, got out of the plane, signed their paperwork, got back in their plane, and left. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And what about the hot air balloons? Aren't they beautiful? 
I, I love them. Yeah, I, we I, used love, to, I love seeing them as well. We used to go out there and launch off of, you know, Ever Valley Road in one of the fields there. And is that legal? I'd never even asked anybody, is that legal? Are we trespassing? <laughs> <laughs> Launching our hot air balloon. So, you know, do you have a lot of calls with hot air balloons at all? You know, thankfully, not many. Um, I asked one of our senior officers uh, this question the other day, and he says he, he doesn't remember one, and he's been there for 20-plus years. We had a couple of close calls. Maybe they were getting close to power lines and those kinds of things, and they sent out an SOS, but... Thankfully, uh, you know, nothing tragic happened out of those things. How did they send out an SOS? They yell over the basket? <laughs> <laughs> help, help. Cell phones. Cell phones? Uh, yes. They call their cell phone. Okay. Yeah, and what, what do they think you're going to do? If they're heading towards the power line, <laughs> there's not a lot you can do. Right. It's a, it's a hot air balloon. I know Tucson has this problem with drag racing. I mean, people have these muscle cars and they're drag racing. You hear them, you see them. Is that an issue in Marana? We've had a couple of incidents where we've partnered up with the sheriff's department to address some of those issues. Um, usually what they do is they'll congregate um, in a local shopping center because of the parking space that's available. And then from there, they go out and they, they do their thing. But yeah, we've had a couple of them in Marana. Yeah, it just seems so reckless, especially when you have a, a drag strip down there by the fairgrounds that, you know, they say, we'll open it up so you can be safe with what you're doing. Right. Instead, they're on the streets here at noon, two Camaros, one red, one yellow, drag racing, eastbound on Speedway. I was like, you people are nuts. <laughs> it's zigzagging and uh, crazy. And when something happens, they're like, oh. I didn't know. Right. <laughs> Crazy stuff going on. So do you have school detention officers? Not detention. What do they call resource school, officers? School resource officers? Yes, yeah. we have two. One at the Marana High School and one at the junior high. And how does that work? Do they, are they there every day? Are they there periodically? How does that work? No, they're there every day. Uh, mm -hmm. They're actually assigned to the schools and they actually teach certain courses. So they're actively involved. Uh, they work with the administrators, the teachers, and the kids. What kind of courses do they teach, driver's ed? <laughs> well, in the high school, <laughs> um, we actually have a, a unique situation there in that the, the officer that works there is also a coach. So he's assisting uh, the football coach. Um, he's a big guy, uh, Rob Quackenbush. Oh. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Rob has been assisting them in, the, in that area. Uh, but the classes they teach... Uh, center around things such as, um, you know, crime prevention strategies, uh, uh, saying no to strangers, things that, things of that nature. Yeah, I don't think people realize just how quickly kids can get into trouble with, you know, the cell phones and being online meeting strangers. Absolutely. It just can happen in a bat of an eye, and, and it does. And do they teach anything about... Um, anti-sex trafficking and human trafficking, do they talk to people about that? We have a crime prevention unit that does that uh, for us. So uh, we'll go out, we, we have a, um, a Citizens Academy, um, and we also have a um, Explorer program that we, uh, that we use to um, teach these sort of courses, but... Citizens Academy, what? What do you, uh, how long is your academy, do you know? 
you don't you don't do the the academy part of it and i imagine with covid it's not happening right now anyway well, we did have some restrictions because of COVID in 2020, but I think we just opened up a new one. Um, it's it's pretty extensive. Uh, I want to say it's 10 weeks long. Um, but what happens is officers and, and different members of the department go out and uh, introduce citizens to the different areas that they work in. For example, we have a crime analyst that'll go out there and give you know a two-hour presentation on what it is she does to help us out. Um, we have the canine unit, your favorite, that goes out there. And, <laughs> I love the dogs. Yes, and they get to talk about what they do. So it's it's a it's a great opportunity for community members t- uh, to really see um, what their police department is all about, mm-hmm. uh, who's out there running things. Um, and a lot of these uh, people that go through this class end up becoming volunteers for us. And we have a fantastic volunteer program um, with about... At one point, we had over 50 volunteers. It's, it's kind oh, of dwindled wow. down quite a bit, uh, but they're so energetic and so enthusiastic. Just love these people. What do the volunteers do? Sherry, they do anything to help us out. Uh, they're out there doing uh, patrolling for us. I mean, they're, they're checking uh, parking lots for us. They're helping us with traffic control. Uh, they help us with fingerprinting, uh, filing of cases, um, just anything that we ask them to do, these people are just doing it. Yes, absolutely. And do they have to have previous experience? No. Retired from law enforcement or something? No, no. Actually, we have, we have, uh, we have a dentist who works with us. We've had uh, former law enforcement. We have retired military uh, people from that retired from Raytheon. So you train them? All walks of life. Yes, we train them. And what kind of classes is, how long is their training? Is it, does it depend on which discipline they want to volunteer in? Right. So if they, if they're going to work in patrol, helping us with patrol related things like traffic uh, point control or traffic control, uh, they'll go out there and they'll, they'll learn how to shut down a, you know, a crosswalk and, and, and get people to, to pass and whatnot. And, um, do you give them a car? Yes. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody wants to volunteer, actually, is there a, an application process? There is. Um, just contact the Miranda Police Department. You can find us on Facebook or you can find us on our website, www.miranaaz.gov slash MPD. Um, and you can apply through them. Um, but yeah, we have a wonderful program and I'm sure they'd be happy to, uh, to talk to anyone who's interested in joining. What about the Explorer program? Do the, um, is it grade school and high school, or is it just high school? How does that work? I think the ages are 11 to 18, 19. So it's like middle school up. Yes, yes. And we have had an outstanding Explorer program run by uh, several people who actually um, went through the Explorer program themselves at one point. Um, great leaders. Um, these young men and women, actually the Miranda Police Department's Explorer program has been has won a lot of awards. Oh, in a lot of cool. different areas, um, search and seizure, traffic stops, those those sorts of things. And this is on a statewide uh, competition basis. I was going to say, because they compete with other Explorer programs. Correct. And if you know your stuff, depends on how you've been trained, you could be awarded for your unit, right? That's correct. And so we've, you we've compete against Tucson? We compete Oro against Valley? Tucson, Oro Valley, Sarita, even the uh, Phoenix Valley area as well. So do you want to do any trash talk here? Or anything? 
<laughs> you want to stir it up? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll just let their actions speak for themselves. Okay. I know you have a lot of special events out there. <coughs> You've got the um, pumpkin patch. It's huge pumpkin patch. Yes. And do they have a maze? Terror in the corn, I think is what they're calling Terror it. Terror in the corn. Terror in the corn. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a, a privately owned business that's been operating in Marana now uh, for several years, and it's it's very popular. Um, it's run by uh, the, the Post family. Uh, but yeah, we have that going on. on do they have a maze? They do, I believe. I've not been there uh, this year, but yeah, I believe they do. You have to take a canine in to find, <laughs> find all the lost people. <laughs> it sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So what else is so going on? So we have the Fall Festival, which is starting on October 16th. It's from uh, 5 to 9 p.m. at the Heritage River Park. That's a lot of fun. Uh, that's in the uh, Gladden Farms neighborhood. Okay. And then on the 27th of October, we're going to be participating in the Special Olympics Breakfast of Champions. Uh, my good friend Joe Curran... Uh, has invited me to be the guest speaker for that. Um, looking forward to it. What does that mean, Breakfast of Champions? It, it's just an opportunity to support Special Olympics. Okay. Um, they bring in a lot of the athletes, and it's a it's a fundraising event okay. that we do every year. Um, I don't know if you've ever been a part of of that, but it's it's wonderful to see these young athletes uh, and the enthusiasm that they bring to to the whole thing. You know, the Special Olympics program has been something that Police departments across the state of Arizona, if not across the nation, have really adopted and, and, and taken to heart and supported. It's huge. It is huge. So really looking forward to that. Um, on October 30th, uh, we're having our annual Salif bike run. Salif is the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation uh, bike run, and Marana was the first to uh, start this about three years ago. It's a lot of fun. Okay, how do you take part in that? Well, actually, you can uh, log on or Google Salif. They have a website. Um, they have an application process there. This is a fundraiser. Salif, uh, which represents all of the area uh, law enforcement, started off as the Tucson Police Foundation, and then they expanded to include other law enforcement agencies. So they uh, raise a lot of funds to buy things that we can't normally get through our budget process. So they've assisted us with uh, rifle shields. Uh, they've assisted us with canine supplies. Um, yeah, people, the, the canines need to have their bulletproof vests. They need, you know, they're on duty too. they those for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic organization. Um, got a chance to work with them, work with Bonnie and others, and uh, just great people. We should get an announcement so we can announce that prior to. Are you going to put together a PSA? I'll send you something, yes. Sounds okay. great. Thank you. Okay, we will do that. It's a great program. And then, Sherry, we're having, you know, every year we have our holiday festival on December 4th. We call it the tree lighting, but now we call it the holiday festival. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it draws a lot of people uh, to, to the complex there, the municipal complex. You do it at the police department? We do. It's actually the municipal complex there where the police department is located. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were there visiting not I too was, long ago. And so. it was raining. I almost <laughs> needed a boat. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when it rains out there, it pours, right? Exactly. Um, and then, of course, every year we have our Star Spangled Spectacular. Didn't think I'd be able to spit that out, but it's I did. It's a it. tongue twister. Fourth yeah. of July. Big event for us. It keeps getting bigger every year. Uh, so we're real proud of that. What about New Year's Eve? Do you guys do anything special on New Year's Eve? 
I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be gonna staying be sleeping. home and sleeping. <laughs> you know, that's typically what I've been doing. But I just wondered if there was any kind of an event that, you know, annually. No, but I know our I police officers will be out there working. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... They always have to work on the holidays. Mm-hmm. It's un, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it goes. Right. So you're preparing for the holidays. What should you, our listeners, know about preparing for the holidays? Those long drives, the food, everything that's going on. What kind of safety things do you want people to consider while they're doing this? We want you to enjoy the holidays, but we want you to be safe about it. Uh, no drag racing. No drag. No drag racing. Um, and basically, if you're out there shopping, um, take a lock it or lose it approach uh, to your shopping. You know, if you're shopping for gifts, lock them up in your trunk. Don't leave them exposed out there where everybody could could see them, because that just entices uh, criminals to break into your car and take your stuff. Yeah. Right? So, so they can buy drugs. Or whatever it is they do with that money, right? Right. Another another big issue is don't leave your purses and wallets in the car. We've had a lot of instances where cars get broken into, and literally within a couple of minutes, uh, they're using their credit cards to purchase. And people do that. They think, it's in my driveway, I'm home, everything's fine. Their purse, their wallet, everything's left in the car, and they wake up the next morning and it's gone. And I can't tell you, Sherry, how many times I've read uh, reports where... Not only are they leaving their wallets, but they're leaving weapons in the car. Oh, wow. Yes, rifles and, and handguns. It, it's just crazy. So please, if you're listening to this this radio station and, and you anywhere in the city of Tucson, Marana, please secure your items at home. Don't leave them in your car. Because yeah. when you do, you're just setting yourself up for all kinds of liabilities. Not only that, but you're endangering the rest of the public. If you're leaving your guns in your car, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, yeah, and then that gun gets used in a, a murder or homicide someplace, and guess who they're going to come to? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always a fun day. <laughs> you don't want you don't want your weapons stolen. Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about weapons being left in the car, but that's, that's just crazy. And for a while there, there was a problem with people who would leave their car unlocked. Even in their garage, they leave their car unlocked. People... With these garage door openers, yes, they'll run around opening garages. You think your garage door is opener is secure to your property, but there's only so many codes they can use. So they run around opening garages and stealing stuff. That's and true. Keep the door between your garage and your inside of your house locked. Locked, absolutely. And people don't do that. They don't think about it. So. We're here to warn you. (laughs) (laughs) We're telling you what what not to do. So are you hiring? Yes, we are. Thank you for asking. So we're actually hiring for dispatcher positions and we're hiring for officer positions. We recently um, were awarded five new positions in our budget year. So we're we're trying to fill those positions. Um, And you can log on to our website or go on to our uh, Facebook site uh, and we'll give you directions on how to do that. Okay, once they're hired and they make it through this process, they have to go to what training center? Is it local? Well, it depends. So currently we're having a lateral process. So we're hiring people who are already certified AZ, uh, AZ post certified officers. Um, they just go through a familiarization process. It takes about five to six weeks, uh, kind of familiarize them with the Miranda way of doing policing. And then they're out on their own. Uh, and then the other uh, portion of that is the new hires. 
New hires go through a different process. Um, once selected, they go through a pre-academy with us where they spend a couple of weeks doing physical training and, and learning what it's what to expect when they get to the police So academy. practice your push-ups. Yes, a lot of push-ups, <laughs> a lot of running, a lot of sit-ups. Uh, and then they enter the academy, and the, the times have varied, but uh, any, it's anywhere from 18 to 20 weeks. Then they come out and they go to a post-academy, and then uh, uh, upon completing the post-academy, they then go into their field training. And when it's all said and done, it's a it's about, it's almost a year okay. uh, when they're finally finished. And, and there's a reason behind it, and that is that we want to make sure that uh, our new recruits, our new young police officers, uh, receive all the training that they need to survive the streets out there. Um, it's, it's a lot of work. That it's goes a lot into of it. work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a huge and investment. There's so many situations where all the training in the world isn't going to prepare you for it, but if you have the right mindset, you at least know what you're doing or know like the guys with the crashed airplane. <laughs> they knew what they were they doing. They knew what to do. Absolutely. That That was pretty amazing. Then just having a little conversation. I only met one of them because it was raining, and the other the other officer was stuck across some river, <laughs> mysterious river that appeared. <laughs> so if you're in Marana and it's it's raining, bring your pontoons. Yes, yes. <laughs> outfit your vehicle. So you said dispatch people. What kind of training do they go through? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well. Um, they go through a lot of training just as well. I mean, they, they really are our first responders out there. So we want to make sure we pick the right people. Imagine uh, being tethered to your council all day long for 10 hours a day. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they're working 12 hours a day. Uh, and taking these calls. And taking these calls. And literally, uh, in order to disconnect, they got to get permission to go drink something or use the restroom. I mean, it's, it's that intense. Uh, and there's times when things are very, very quiet and nothing's going on. And then there's times in a, you know, in a split second where everything is going bad. You've yeah. got a huge crisis in front of you. Very proud of our dispatchers, our men and women that, that work in communications. Uh, they truly are our first responders. Uh, they're trained in uh, CPR. They're trained in first aid uh, so they can give instructions. They're trained in... Um, just dispatching the calls, getting them out to the uh, uh, proper uh, entities. You know, what, is this a meds call? Is this a fire call? We're actually a, a PSAP, which is a primary service area provider. So they get the 911 calls, they triage them, and then they send them out to where they need to be. It's kind of like air traffic control. You can't leave your area. It's a very intense job. You're, you're stuck there. It's very and stressful. You don't always find out what happened on that call, what the resolution was, if there was one. You just, you know, you handle it until first responders get there and then you disconnect. Right. So I would you know, be like, what happens? So I'd be calling people. What happens? Oh, they do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oftentimes they're left and they'll call you. Hey, what happened on that call? I mean, you know, I want to yeah. know what, I want to know what happened. Yeah. Absolutely. So have you delivered any babies on the job? No, I haven't. No, no I haven't. No. What's the largest uh, arrest you've ever made? Uh, we did a seizure years ago when I was working with the uh, Fugitive Investigative Strike Team. We were actually part of a group that uh, was following an individual for quite a while, about a week's long surveillance. And we seized, uh, I think it was $2.3 million. <gasps> oh, 
Retire? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> so what happens with all that money? Well, it, it goes through a forfeiture uh, procedure, uh, and then... You buy equipment. You, well, if, if it's awarded to you by the courts, yes. And how does that process work? Do you know, you know, like, okay, we grabbed all this money. How come we can't keep it? Well, actually, Sherry, it's uh, interesting you ask that now because we've uh, there's been some revisions to our forfeiture law that I'm not too familiar with, but I know it's going to be a lot more restrictive. Oh. Uh, and so, uh, you know, for years, um, a lot of law enforcement agencies have used those funds for training and, and the purchasing of equipment. Sure. Uh, but now some new restrictions have been placed on it, and uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to to work within the new system. But we're probably going to see a huge reduction in uh, asset forfeitures because of uh, these new changes. Huh. That should be interesting to read what those changes are. We only have a couple of minutes left. What would you tell the young person thinking about what kind of a career should I move myself into? What kind of studies should I do when I get to college? What do I want to be when I grow up? Wow, what a what a deep question to ask. I know. That's really deep. And you only have two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't consider this job a job. You know, we, we it has all kinds of names, profession, career, job. Uh, but when I really think about it, it was a calling. Something was nudging me towards this. I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, I, I kind of, I was one of those kids that graduated from high school and didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, my family didn't have the money for me to go to college, so I entered the Army. Um, there I learned a lot about myself, but what I realized was I, I like the action that mm -hmm. comes with uh, being a uh, soldier, uh, and I got that um, as a police officer as well. So, No um, two days are the same. No two days are the same. And, and that's, I guess, if I had to give any young person an, an advice is know yourself first. Know what you like, what you don't like. Do you like working outside? Do you like working behind a desk? What is it that you like? Yeah. But, but more importantly, if you're gonna, if you're thinking of a career in law enforcement, um, you have to want to serve and help people. I mean, that's that's the basic instinct you have to have uh, to be successful as a police officer. Yeah, or, because when when things go wrong, they call the police. Correct. So if you want to help people when they're their worst, that's when when you get called. And it's awesome. It's a very fulfilling job. And I appreciate everything you guys have been doing. I'll be sending you an email to find out when I can come over there so we can acknowledge, you know, Officer Wagner. Thank you, Sherry. We appreciate that. And until next week, I want everybody to shop local, stay safe. Don't forget we've got these events going on on the 16th. Um, and then on the 20th, prepare Write it down, save the date. I'll have more details by next week, I'm sure. So take care, shop local, stay safe, goodbye.